I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, March Madness. Pro-lifers of all ages are gearing up for the annual rally in the nation's capital. We have a preview of tomorrow's big day playing a role. House Republicans also look to defend the unborn by tackling unwanted pregnancies on college campuses. Pro-abortion push. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris announced their schedule for the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. We're at the White House. And journey with Jesus. When you look over the centuries, Jesus is depicted in every medium, and he continues to be referenced over and over again in culture. The star of the hit series, The Chosen, tells us about his new faith-based docu-series. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us. Our top story tonight, thousands of people converge on Washington, D.C. to attend tomorrow's March for Life. We have team coverage beginning at the White House, where we asked President Joe Biden about the annual pro-life event. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Hi, Tracy. Let me set it up for you first. As President Joe Biden was walking towards Marine One today on his way to North Carolina for a speech on Bidenomics, I asked him about the March for Life, and his reply was short. Just one word, in fact, but take a listen. President Joe Biden leaving the White House today and over the noise of reporters shouting questions, I'm able to ask him. Mr. President, the March for Life is tomorrow. The March for Life is tomorrow in Washington, D.C. The March for Life is tomorrow in Washington, D.C. What's your message to those attending? March. Uh, and, and, sir. My question comes just hours after the Biden campaign details how it plans to use the topic of abortion to win in November. It includes slamming former President Donald Trump over what it calls his abortion bans across America. Biden recently criticized Trump for his role in overturning Roe v. Wade. Now Trump is trying to unseat Biden. And it's time for the Republican Party, frankly, to come together and to unify. We have to unify. and focus all of our resources and energy and effort on defeating crooked Joe Biden, the worst president in the history of our country. The Trump campaign highlighted his pro-life achievements last month, writing, President Trump's record of delivering policy victories for voters of faith is unmatched, adding he sent a powerful message that life matters when he became the first and only president ever to attend the March for Life. EWTN covered Trump's 2020 speech on the National Mall. And we are fighting for those who have have no voice, and we will win. But in the Biden administration's abortion push, Vice President Kamala Harris will keep hitting the road. On Monday, the anniversary of Roe, she'll be in Swing State, Wisconsin. Earlier, she spoke at the U.S. Conference of Mayors Winter Meeting in Washington, D.C. We respect autonomy and bodily autonomy, and frankly, that we trust women. And on this eve of the March for Life, the Biden campaign says the president, vice president, first lady, and second gentleman will hold a pro-abortion rally Tuesday in Virginia, the same date as the Republican primary in New Hampshire. Now, pro-life advocates will see an all-out pro-abortion blitz in the coming months to include advertising, op-eds in the paper, meetings, rallies, events, with a focus on swing states. The Biden campaign says, quote, reproductive freedom remains top of mind for voters. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. Well, ahead of tomorrow's March for Life, House Republicans are getting into the act, signaling their opposition to abortion. For a second year in a row, they are focused on passing legislation dealing with unwanted pregnancies. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales has more. 
Good evening, Tracy. There's definitely anticipation among pro-life lawmakers this week gearing up for Friday's march. They're holding news conferences, meeting with marchers, and even wearing pro-life buttons. Their main focus, says House Speaker Mike Johnson, passing bills protecting women and the lives of the unborn. Uh, we'll take this week, uh, as we do each year, to remember the value of every single human life and reiterate what we boldly proclaimed in our nation's birth certificate, that all men are created equal. All people are, and all life is sacred. But Republicans say the Biden administration is trying to undercut them. Congresswoman Michelle Fishbach says they want to cut funds for pregnancy care centers under the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families Program, or TAMF, and redirect the money to abortion facilities. She's introduced a bill. To ensure pregnancy centers cannot be excluded or restricted from receiving TANF funding. Make no mistake, conservatives are here for unborn babies and their mothers. We want to ensure those moms are supported throughout their pregnancies. Another bill sponsored by Congresswoman Ashley Hinson is geared toward pregnant women in college. My Pregnant Student Rights Act ensures that pregnant women on college campuses know about existing protections that will allow them to both continue their pregnancy and their education so that they are empowered to create the best possible future for themselves and for their child. But Senate Democrats are making it clear these and other pro-life measures are dead on arrival. We're here today to make clear to Speaker Johnson that advancing any legislation that seeks to further restrict access to abortion will not see the light of day in the Senate. But Congressman Chris Smith, co-chair of the Congressional Pro-Life Caucus, tells me the tide is turning. He's speaking at this year's March for Life. He and his wife have been going to the march every year since 1974. It is a great rallying point. It, it gets us all reinvigorated and rededicated. Uh, and the prayer power that will be at the march and in follow-up is just enormous. Congressman Chris Smith also introduced a bill last year that would permanently block federal funding for abortions. It's been prohibited on an annual basis since 1976. The bill hasn't come to the floor for a vote just yet, and that's even more uncertain now with lawmakers heading into the November elections. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN. News nightly. And coming up later in the newscast, a preview of tomorrow's March for Life with March President Jeannie Mancini. Oh, with Friday's deadline just a day away, the Senate passed a short-term funding bill today to keep the government funded into March. As we have reported, House Speaker Mike Johnson and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer reached a deal on a nearly $1.7 trillion measure to keep the government open. But some conservatives push back over border policy changes and top-line funding. So lawmakers passed a continuing resolution, allowing them more time to work on an overall budget agreement. The House is now considering the short-term funding measure before it heads to the president's desk. First, it was the FBI and DOJ targeting the faithful and pro-lifers. Now, Judiciary Committee Chair Congressman Jim Jordan says he has uncovered evidence that federal officials flag consumer transactions, searching for words like Trump, MAGA, and even the Bible. This whole financial surveillance and, and this whole surveillance state thing is, is scary. When you couple that with all the censorship we learned about this, this over the last year. Um, the Catholic Church, they went after Well, when us. you read these documents, it sounds, I just said this on, on another interview, it, it sounds exactly like that memo uh, in Richmond. Where, remember the FBI said, oh, that was just a one-off. Well, it turned out it really wasn't. 
Uh, the searches were conducted on behalf of the government in the aftermath of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Congressman Jordan wrote a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray asking that senior bureau officials be made available for transcribed interviews related to the financial searches. Jordan adds many of these searches were done without a warrant. And now to a heartbreaking conclusion from a Justice Department report on the Uvalde, Texas school shooting delivered to the public by Attorney General Merrick Garland. The law enforcement response at Robb Elementary School on May 24, 2022, and in the hours and days after, was a failure that should not have happened. We hope to honor the victims and the survivors by working together to try to prevent anything like this from ever happening again here or anywhere. On that fateful day, a gunman walked into the school and opened fire, killing 19 children and two teachers. It took 77 minutes from the time the shooter entered the building until he was stopped by law enforcement. And we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including Fight for the Unborn. Updates on an effort by lawmakers to restore so-called abortion rights in one state. And a preview of this year's March for Life with the president of the organization, Jeannie Mancini. in South Carolina approved a ban on so-called gender-affirming care for minors. The proposal now heads to the state Senate. South Carolina is one of the few southern states without a ban on gender surgeries for minors. And in Missouri, there is a push to include abortion in the state constitution. The measure includes restrictions on late-term abortion. Currently, abortion is banned in the state, except in the case of a medical emergency. Well, tomorrow, starting at 9.30 a.m., EWTN will have exclusive coverage of the annual March for Life here in Washington, D.C. The event began back in 1974 as a response to the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion in the U.S. This year, tens of thousands of people are expected to participate with one goal in mind, to promote the dignity of human life by ending abortion. And here now with a full preview of tomorrow's event is Jeannie Mancini, president of March for Life. Jeannie, great to see you, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for the wonderful coverage, Tracy. EWTN is like the backbone of the March for Life in so many ways, so we're really grateful. Oh, we are, too, and it's such a blessing. Uh, Jeannie, first off, tell us what can we expect tomorrow, and what are you most excited about? Oh, gosh. I mean, every year is just a little bit different, um, but we have some surprises uh, tomorrow. So everything hasn't been quite announced in terms of speaker lineup and, and who might be at the rally, et cetera. So I'm excited about that, some of the surprises that we have in store. And it's always just so motivating to see all of the young people, even driving into the city just an hour or two ago, I could see crowds of young people, you know, that look a little different. And when you're normally driving into the city, maybe with the same color hats or, or what have you, and you know that they're here for the March for Life, that they've made a pilgrimage. And so that's always very motivating for me. Yeah, all that excitement. It's really wonderful to see. Tell us about the theme this year and the significance. Mm. With every woman for every child. And in, in essence, we're trying to emphasize that the heart of the pro-life movement 
it's not just about that very important issue of um, protecting the baby in the womb, but it's really about mom and baby fully humanly flourishing. And we're trying to tell what I think is often the untold story of the pregnancy care movement and the well over 3,000 pregnancy care centers and maternity homes that provide such heroic support to women in these difficult scenarios uh, when they just need that support. So we're going to be telling those stories and have a lot of testimonies with that tomorrow. Yeah, that's so important. And we got to mention, you know, it, it's been a year and a half since the Dobbs decision. Uh, and Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I want to ask you this, Jean. I mean, we know there's a, a lot of work that still needs to be done. Where do you think the country is right now in our fight for life and the eradication of abortion? Yeah, we've certainly seen some ups and downs in the last year. There's there's no question. But but I would emphasize we've seen the ups. I've heard some just in recent days after the ballot initiatives um, really kind of discouraged. And I would just you know, encourage your viewers that, listen, we know that the battle's won by God, and we certainly need to be praying and fasting, but this is an issue that we persevere on day in and day out. We're going to have some highs and some lows, but uh, it took us 50 years to overturn Roe, and um, it was Roe that started the march. Um, so these day, these moments are made for marches, you know, in a way, and of course, our state march is growing, growing, growing uh, quick than we really can even expand with staffing. And so this year alone, we'll be in 17 states, and we anticipate being in all 50 states in the next five to six years. That's in addition to the National March, too. So um, we're, this movement is made for hard moments, and in the end, we will succeed. We will build a culture of life, and the battle is the Lord's, as we know from the story of David and Goliath in the last couple of days in the Gospel in the Old Testament. Well, Jeannie, thank you for being with us and taking the time. We appreciate it and looking forward to tomorrow. God bless. Thanks so much. Also tomorrow during EWTN's coverage, you'll see the broadcast television premiere of a new documentary from the Knights of Columbus. It tells the story of how the march developed and its continuing impact. Here's a preview. She was a lawyer, had served in World War II. She had seen the atrocities of World War II. She had seen the human rights issues of the times in which she lived, and she saw that this was just another unjust um, issue in the, in the course of her life. And so she quit her government job, and she started the March for Life with Knights of Columbus from New York. Nellie and others didn't want the anniversary of Roe v. Wade to go unmarked. And so they decided that they'd do something. They got together in her townhouse in Capitol Hill, uh, sat around the kitchen table, the dining room table, and made a decision to have this march. And again, you can see the full documentary tomorrow right here on EWTN. And up next on EWTN News Nightly, the power of prayer. Our report from the Vatican on the start of the week dedicated to Christian unity. Plus, the chosen star Jonathan Rumi tells us about his new project. the start of the week of prayer for Christian unity. It concludes on January 25th, the solemnity of the conversion of St. Paul, with the Holy Father celebrating a Vesper service. EWTN Vatican Bureau Chief Andreas Tonhauser has more. The beginning of the ecumenical movement is the introduction of the week of prayer for Christian unity. And it means the most important thing for Christian unity is prayer. 
That is Cardinal Kurt Koch, Prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Christian Unity, explaining the main purpose of the Week of Prayer that opens today for next Thursday, the 25th. The theme chosen for the year 2024 is based on a text from the Gospel of St. Luke, You shall love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. The theme reflects the connection between love of God and love of neighbor with a particular concern for challenging the boundaries of who is considered neighbor. The fundament of this issue we see in the high priestly prayer of Jesus in the 17th chapter by, the, by John. And for me, it's always very impressive that Jesus does not command the unity between his disciples, but he prays for unity. But at times, praying together can present difficulties, especially when the faithful don't share the same background. One aspect of this week serves to overcome some of those barriers. I think the prayer is a good way to have a better knowledge from one another because the prayer is a very inner mode to be Christian, to be Protestant, to be Orthodox, to be Catholic. And when we see how the other is in prayer, we have a better knowledge from one another. Christian unity will be one of the themes of the 2025 Jubilee year here in Rome, which will also commemorate an important anniversary in church history. This is the, the holy year for the Catholic Church and it's clear that the holy year has always the issue and the theme of conversion and I think we must also have a conversion to unity and during 2025 we have also this uh, commemoration of the Council, first council of Nicaea this council has happened in a time when the church was not wounded by so many divisions and splits in the history. And I think all Christian churches and ecclesial communities can commemorate together this uh, first communion council and to confess the Christological faith that Christ is the Son of God. In Rome, Andreas Tonhauser and Matteo Chaffee, EWTN News Nightly. What started as a crowdfunding project in 2019 has become one of the biggest sensations in Christian TV history. The Chosen is the first multi-season series to depict the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. According to Angel Studios, in 2023, the show surpassed 100 million viewers and 500 million streams. Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, has become a globally recognized figure, and his fame has led him on a deeper faith journey and a new endeavor. My life has gotten pretty insane the last year. Rumi is partnering with Amazon Prime to release Jonathan and Jesus. It is a four-part docuseries that follows the actor as he takes a closer look at who Jesus is and how he still impacts the world. We recently spoke with Jonathan about the new series, his incredible faith journey, and his reliance on God. And joining us now is Jonathan Rumi. Thank you so much for being here, Jonathan. We really appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit more about the series and what made you, you know, want to take this journey with the cameras tagging along? 
You know, uh, when I got the opportunity, first of all, thank you for having me, Tracy. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to talk to you guys. Um, when I got the opportunity to meet with Pope Francis, um, a couple of the producers of that um, event on on uh, on my side, on the chosen side, said, "Hey, you know, we think there would be there would be some uh, real interest in seeing your journey in in not only meeting the Pope, but like how you got to this point." Um, what it's like to, uh, as uh, you know a day in the life of, of playing Jesus, what the impact is on fans around the world, and what um, your experiences are when you have these fan interactions, and then talk to other you know artists and professionals and thinkers and um, speakers about uh, the impact of Jesus on the culture throughout. And it just seemed like such an interesting and unique concept that nobody had ever done anything like this before. And uh, I, I thought, you know what, if there's an opportunity that somebody can hear my personal story and and how God has been so uh, faithful to me and how he's taken me from the very bottom and, and bringing me through this level of success, of success, maybe it'll inspire other people to to kind of keep uh, going with, with their dreams and, and, and the, uh, the inspirations that God has put in their heart um, and ultimately, you know, get closer to him by by surrendering to him and letting him take the lead, which is what I did uh, and to get to this point. Yeah. And I understand your sister Livia said that, that you've always really been seeking Jesus. Can you explain mm -hmm. that a bit more and why maybe, you know, that is the case in your life? You know, um, the savior of mankind, you know, uh, when, when you start a relationship with him, uh, I think he wants more from you. And as you start giving him more, he asks for more. Uh, and then he gives you more as a result of of that of that seeking um he 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 just continues to imbue your life with um so much joy and and goodness and um at times just flat out miracles um all by just committing to 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 wanting to to serve christ as as a you know, as an ambassador for him on this planet as part of the human race. And I think the essence of Jonathan and Jesus is capturing what that opportunity has been and how it's affected me and changed me um, as I travel around the world talking to, to other people that know much more about Jesus theologically uh, can speak much more eloquently than I can about um, about the theology of it all. And then, and then just the culture, you know, the cultural impact. So a lot of different viewpoints in the series um, and and a lot of different ideas and other people's examples of their encounters with Jesus that to me is the real fascination is watching these other, you know, major uh, artists and, and musicians talk about their experience and their relationship. And, and it just kind of makes me feel like, okay, you know, there there's more of us out there that have this relationship that aren't you know, afraid to to share that with people. And then that inspires other people to to either look into Jesus or to talk about their faith or to want to know more about him. So um yeah, it's just it's just been an, an awesome opportunity for me to to get to to deepen that relationship and, and to get to know him more through this uh, documentary. Yeah, it sounds absolutely amazing. Um and really quickly before we let you go, Jonathan, what do you hope viewers uh, take away from the series? I hope that they learn that through seeing how my life has unfolded the last five years, that anything is possible if you surrender to God. 
if you surrender any aspect of your life that you're holding on to really, really tightly, and, and, and you haven't seen movement by, by letting go of the reins and by letting God and depending on him and letting him uh, step in and, and take the reins from you and just go with his flow, anything is possible. Well, we cannot wait to see it. Thank you for doing it. Jonathan, Jesus is out Thanks, now Tracy. on Amazon Prime. Jonathan Rumi, thank you so much for being here and God bless you. God bless you, Tracy. Bye-bye. Inspiring conversation. All right. Well, finally, tonight, remember to tune in tomorrow to EWTN's live coverage of the 51st annual March for Life. Our coverage begins at 9.30 a.m. The pre-rally concert begins at 11 a.m. before the noon rally. And the march will begin at 1 p.m. and wrap up approximately around 4.30 in the afternoon. EWTN will have a lot of interviews, analysis, and inspirational and uplifting stories from the pro-life movement Tune in. Do not miss it. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.